You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Giants Splash podcast, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Giants and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle Giants beat writer Susan Slusser, and today our guest is the Giants director of amateur scouting, Michael Holmes. Uh, Michael, I know uh, you have been a guest before on the Splash since this is you're heading into your third year uh, as the Giants director of amateur scouting. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Susan. Really appreciate you having me. Well, this is such an exciting time of year for you, obviously. Um, first of all, before we even get into that, um, you and I are talking uh, just after the Giants won perhaps their most exciting game of the season, Michael, Mike Yastrzemski's Grand Slam in the eighth inning with two out to uh, you know have a comeback from a seven-run deficit and beat the Diamondbacks. Just your thoughts on one of the most exciting wins for what's turned out to be a very, very good Giants team. Uh, yeah, what an amazing finish. Uh, great comeback. Uh, I think uh, not only to see the excitement of the players, the staff, but, I mean, Susan, to see the excitement of the fans and have fans in the stands. What a great night at Oracle uh, for, for the team, for the organization, for the fans. And, uh, yeah, it's fun to see the guys having fun out there and uh, playing well. And uh, Gabe and his staff are doing a tremendous job. So uh, a fun night in Oracle. I hate I wasn't there. Uh, Alex still preparing for this amateur draft, but uh, it definitely looked like a blast from afar. Now, can you tell us what, what secret location you're at? Have you are you at a tournament? Are you at a that, where are you uh, looking right now? Uh, I'll tell you, I'm on the East Coast as of now. I don't I don't want to give out some <laughs> secrets here, but uh, yeah. No, uh, listen. You know, with the way the uh, I'm pushing the date back for the amateur draft this year into July. Um, it's a new dynamic for us, you know. We've always been, you know, used to entering the draft room right after conference tournaments there at the beginning of June. And um, so just trying to navigate a, a new calendar for us, a new schedule as far as when the draft takes place. But one thing it's done is allowed us more opportunities to see players, to get to know players. So um, our staff's still been out seeing, seeing players, seeing some events. Uh, there's still some uh, different players throughout uh, playing. Uh, we've obviously got the MLB Combine starting next week, um, which will be new on the amateur draft side. So um, we're we're kind of working our way through this new schedule with the draft being uh, middle of July. But it has given us opportunity to get some more looks. So our guys are still out working really hard. Yeah, I was going to ask you about it. You know, basically you have extra five weeks now, uh, plus this Combine. Um Tell us uh, essentially what your understanding of how the, this combine will work, how many players will be there, and, and uh, what you guys hope to get out of it. Well, I think the combine will be kind of split into some portions with some high school portion and some college portion. Um, as far as exactly players that will be in attendance, um, you know, we're still waiting for some confirmation on some. But ultimately – the players will be given opportunities to do some on-field stuff. There'll be uh, a medical portion. 
and then obviously there'll be a chance to do some uh, one-on-one interviews with certain players um, if need be. So uh, it's new for all of us on both sides, for MLB, for, for the clubs, the organizations, uh, people like myself. Um, but we'll enter that uh, next week and uh, hoping to see what we can uh, can learn from it, from the players that you know we get a chance to see or visit with. And uh, I think it's just something that may grow and continue to expand. Obviously, it's the first year. I'm sure there'll be things that MLB will want to, you know, change or do differently moving forward. But um, it'll be nice to kind of have guys in one place that we get a chance to spend some more time on. Yeah, it's really weird getting used to a July draft after, you know, years and years of everyone saying the June draft, the June draft. That was, uh, I mean, that was really the, the, the whole thing. But it makes sense coming off, um, you know, really two years of shortened seasons, obviously last year dramatically for the high school. Some some high schools didn't play at all last year um, and shortened college seasons. And then this year, uh, to some extent, also shorter seasons. Um, with the 20 rounds, what does that, combined with, you know, so many programs not playing full schedules, certainly last year and, and to some extent this year, what does that mean in practical terms for you? Well, first of all, it means it's better than five rounds. So <laughs> from our standpoint, we're certainly excited that we're at least uh, increase the amount of rounds. Uh, obviously, you know, we'd like to take and put as many players as we can into our system um, that we think can help our organization. Um, last year was so unique, Susan. I, you know, the colleges, the Division ones, they played four weeks, and then, you know, we all came to a screeching halt. Um, not just in the baseball world, but throughout the country. So we all kind of know how that played out. Um, but, you know, I have to give our staff a lot of credit. We, Our guys, myself, a lot of people, we worked so hard the summer and fall uh, of 2019 leading into that 2020 season that we really felt really good with where we were at. And I know that's weird to say. It seems crazy. But we felt really good with where we were at on – on some of the evaluations, what we knew about the players, how well we hit, how good of a job we had done getting to know them. Now, would we have liked that season to continue? Of course. Um, you know, were there guys we didn't get a chance to go out and see in person in 2020? Absolutely. There was a lot of places, like you said, that had not played, a lot of high school kids that had not, never got a chance to play. And I hate it for those kids. They lost their senior year of high school, and that, that's such a vital time in their lives. But, um, you know, our staff did a great job that summer and fall. We felt really prepared. We felt really good considering the circumstances. You know, this year we're excited that it's back, you know, with more rounds. We're up to 20 rounds. Uh, we navigated some protocols uh, due to the pandemic at different schools as far as, you know, how many scouts could attend, uh, different types of rules and regulations depending on conferences, teams, schools, you know, portions of the country. So our guys... Our guys hung in there this year. They handled it really well. Uh, we're excited about the 20 rounds. We're excited about this this draft class. We're excited about this group of guys we've had a chance to, to see, and we're expecting a really, another really strong draft. Yeah, what did you, yeah, from last year's obviously very short draft uh, and, and the inability to scout, what did you learn? Did you, were there like, Things that, like, were you getting video from unusual places? Um, did you find kind of workarounds to be able to scout um, last year that you can maybe apply at all this year? I think we did. You know, I think what we learned is there's other there's other avenues to kind of evaluate players that can complement the so-called boots on the ground that we have with our staff. You know, we're blessed, and I'm blessed to have a staff of, you know, 
tremendous people, but also tremendous evaluators. So, but what we learned is there's ways to kind of supplement some of that evaluation aspect. Uh, we did do a lot of video work. You know, we obviously uh, every draft take a look at some of these players from an analytical stand- standpoint. Um, I actually think one of the neatest things about last year's draft that I think I'm most proud of is, um, you know, at the time we were kind of the only thing going, right? The minor league season was, was on shutdown. The major league season hadn't started yet. So we were really able to incorporate some of player development, some of our major league staff, and really kind of collaborate a little bit and try to include some people. Hey, take a look at this guy. Hey, what are your thoughts on this guy? A lot of the guys in player development stepped up. They were more than willing to kind of help out anyway. Um, Gabe and his staff, they were more than willing to kind of help out uh, and take a look at some different player scores. So um, it was just kind of a neat thing to kind of see everyone kind of come together. Uh, we got some help from our from some, uh, some of our pro scouts and on Zach's staff and um, it was kind of a neat thing. So what it did is it opened up our eyes to kind of take a look and see, okay, this of all years gives us a chance to see if we can do things differently, but yet continue some of the same norms that may help us moving forward. And I think it was a good learning lesson for us. Well, that's fascinating. So this year, like, I'm assuming you're not going to do it a ton, but would you, you know, send Gabe Kapler a clip of somebody or Andrew Bailey or Dustin Lind and say, hey, Hey, just give us a quick evaluation, maybe, if, if it's somebody that, you, that you're really strongly considering. Is that something that you would maybe try to continue now, if possible? I, I think it's more of a conversation. Yeah. You know, obviously these guys have a lot on their plate now that the season, <laughs> and not having the season last year, and I certainly don't want to pull from them. But, you know, listen, there's guys on the staff, Ty Correa, and, and I have had conversation uh, about different likes and dislikes for him with infielders. I've talked to Rob Wotus. Um, you know, Donnie Eckler and JV on the, on the hitting side, we've had conversations about different guys. So I, I do think that the conversation aspect is something that's a learning learning tool for me and all of our guys on our staff just to talk with these guys. Um, as far as involvement, we certainly don't want to pull them away from what they're doing now. But, uh, you know, I think we did learn during the shortened season and not being able to be on the road that we had to be creative. We had to be open to looking at things differently. Uh, and I think it really kind of opened our eyes to maybe some ways we can do some do some things moving forward. Now, you, like most teams, uh, are working now with fewer scouts than you have before. And, you know, it is a shorter draft, et cetera. Um, how is that working just in general? And, and obviously now understanding that you can't necessarily press the big league staff into uh, into action all the time. Um, but how, how are you finding that you allocate resources now with, with maybe a handful of, of fewer scouts? Uh, I just think we try to be really smart with how we, how we use guys. Uh, I think, I think it's important that, you know, we give guys the ability to do their job, but we also don't ask too much of them. Um, and I think it's like that really in, in, in any type of industry or any type of department within baseball. So, um, we've got a lot of guys that want to go work. We got a lot of passionate baseball people that really love being at the ballpark, evaluating players, wanting to put the next best player into this organization to see him in Oracle park. So, um, I just think it comes down to kind of time management. We've had to be a little creative with how we use certain people, um, with our coverages, but, uh, it's kind of really just kind of an all hands on deck. The, The great thing about our staff is everybody's willing to roll up their sleeve and go to work and, um, we just kind of look at it that way, and that's the way we go about it. 
Yeah, a lot of uh, pro scouts that I've been seeing at your big league games recently have told me that um, they're a lot of pro scouts are actually out looking at colleges right now, which is very unusual. Uh, they're not seeing a ton of pro scouts at the big league games um, because so many guys right now are going out and looking at colleges. Is that something you've been doing is, is um, redirecting some of your pro scouts here and there to, to maybe look at some prospects? I think, you know, Susan, I think early in the year, um, there was still a little uncertainty of um, on the pro scouting side, what they would be allowed to do during the spring training time. Uh, major league, minor league. So, you know, talking with, with Zach and, uh, you know, knowing that some of his guys were, you know, live in certain places across yeah. the country that, you know, could be helpful to get them out. We, we did, we were able to use them some, they did a, they've done an outstanding job for us. And, um, it's interesting too, because they kind of give us a different aspect, almost a different, uh, view, uh, having been in so many pro parks and minor league, major league parks for so many years or a handful of years. Sometimes to get that perspective um, can be helpful in the way we look at a player because I think there is kind of two different lenses when you're watching amateur and pro players. So to get their opinions, to get their you know perspectives on players, it's certainly helpful to me and certainly forces me to kind of kind of think more and think in different ways. So uh, we were able to use um, uh, some, if not most, of his guys uh, early in the year when there was still some uncertainty with where they were at. No, oh, that's so cool. Um, it's an, it's an interesting, uh, dilemma for colleges right now. Uh, not necessarily dilemma, but, um, you know, so many players lost, say either their junior or senior season decided to stay for an extra year, um, which has really kind of impacted programs and incoming players, uh, and who's, who gets to play, uh, somebody who thought maybe that they were going to be starting, uh, the, the guy who was supposed to graduate or, or get drafted stayed for another year. What, what has that done for the talent at the college level? Is it uh, like extra packed right now? Is it, you know, has it, are there guys who stayed around who maybe shouldn't have? What, what are you seeing? Uh, well, to answer your last part, I, I think in any year, there's always going to be situations where somebody feels like looking back, they should have signed and not stayed or the opposite. Maybe they should have stayed and not signed. I think anytime you deal with the draft, you're, you're going to have people having those type of thoughts. You know, from a, I'll just speak on the college side. Um, one of the main things we've seen is kind of the average age of the player has increased with a lot more players kind of staying back with only a five-round draft. Um, it seems to be some rosters are a little bit more crowded uh, in certain conferences and certain teams. Uh, that's one of the reasons the NCA kind of waived the roster limitations to create some flexibility for the programs. Um, and there are there are some log gems there. Um, there are some guys that maybe not for the 2021 draft were affected, but I think you may see some guys that would have played more as a freshman or a sophomore this year that maybe kind of lost a little bit of playing time because that junior who normally would have signed in the eighth round was, was back for another year. So I did think it affected the colleges a little bit, not so much from a performance standpoint, but it created some log jams. They're going to have some, you know, tough conversations with players moving forward, especially when the roster limitations jump back, you know, in and NCAA reinstates them. But, um, I do think, um, Speaking on this draft specifically, I think there is a lot of depth to this draft, and I think one of the reasons there is is because there was a lot of players that wouldn't have been there 
uh, if we would have had a normal 2020. Yeah, so that kind of dovetails right into my next question, which is, you know, with 20 rounds, and, and usually in the, in the past it's always been 40, um, there will be a lot of good undrafted players, I'm guessing, you know, where there are always some gems after the 20th round. Uh, and as you mentioned, so many players, you know, did not enter the draft last year. How do you guys follow the undrafted players? Do you have guys sort of in mind if this guy's still out there after the draft, we're immediately going to try to sign him? How, how do you anticipate that will work? Or do, will you want to wait and see if guys play in independent ball or post-collegiate leagues? No, uh, you know, we'll have guys identified on our board that we'll have a lot of interest in. Now, whether or not they fit inside that 20 could be based on, you know, just basically what's available with our next pick. So, you know, there, there's a likelihood that there's, there's a handful or more of players that we really have a lot of interest in that – aren't selected and they'll definitely be guys that we target we'll want to we'll want to try to approach them and, and see if there's something that we can do with them after the draft uh, and get them into Giants uniforms we'll be back with more with Giants director of amateur scouting Michael Holmes in just a moment but a reminder you can find all of the Chronicles Giants coverage at www.sfchronicle.com and to subscribe go to sfchronicle.com slash pod get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th hosted by kevin hart the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. How, how important in general will some of those independent and post-collegiate leagues become going forward if, if the draft remains, uh, you know, relatively small? I think you'll see uh, a better caliber player in that league. Uh probably less affected by the draft season, Susan, and more affected by just the reduction of minor league teams. Yeah. There'll be, a, there'll be a lot of players playing on some of those teams that normally would have been, you know, playing playing you know, affiliated baseball with, you know, one of the 30 organizations. So I'm not so sure those leagues are as much affected by the rounds as they are the, the reduction of minor league teams. Will, will, is that something you guys will then essentially be scouting more or just you know keeping tabs on? How, how, will, how do you think that will work moving forward? I think it, yeah, I think it's definitely, it's definitely something that we will be scouting. It's definitely something we'll keep an eye on. Um, it's probably even something that we'll take note of even more than we have in the past. Now, you touched on this, this the strength of this year's um, shorter draft. Um, teams always say, you know, we're going to draft draft the best player available um, when our turn comes up. You guys draft at 14, obviously. Um, uh, and not necessarily by need, but is there a focus for you, particularly early in the, in the draft, um, either positions or, you know, but, but everyone always likes pitching, that kind of thing. What are the strongest areas that you're seeing that you guys might be looking at? You know, I, I, I would tell you that we're probably not targeting one individual type position, uh, especially at the top. 
I mean, listen, I've told I've told everyone that, that I've talked with dating back to 2019. It was pretty obvious if you just look at our selections that you know we we played a we really put a major focus on trying to acquire as many position players as we could in that draft. And and I'm not hiding anything just because you can you can take a look <laughs> and, and it'll see you know you'll see that our our first pitcher that year was Caleb Killian. So it's uh it's, it's something that we did kind of focus on um, as far as this year really don't have a focus of what we're trying to do mainly you know targeting positionally wise I know it's cliche but it really is just kind of a best available player uh, but I can speak on the draft I do think there's a lot of depth in this draft I think there's a lot of depth outside of even the top couple rounds um, I do believe there's a lot of depth in the middle of the, the middle of the field uh, whether it be a middle infielder shortstops catchers uh, and I also think that with the five round draft last year we're seeing seeing a lot more arms that are still, you know, in college that normally would have been there. So I do think there's some depth to the pitching market as well. So you're feeling good about um, what's available to you there at 14? Yeah, we do. You know, we do. Uh, a lot depends on what happens in front of us, obviously. But, you know, we feel really good at kind of where we're at, the players that we've been on, the players we scouted extremely hard. Uh, obviously, the, the 13 in front of us will depict kind of what direction we go. Um, we all know that the draft's so unpredictable, something crazy could happen in front of us. But we really do. We feel strongly about kind of the grouping that we feel like we're going to have to choose from. Um, no matter which way it plays out, I think we're going to be really excited. Uh, now, this isn't necessarily your area of, um, you know, uh, that you're in charge of, but uh, I know you keep a very close eye on your past draft picks, and last year was. Uh, a lost year, really, in terms of development. What What's standing out to you right now from, uh, you know, obviously you just had this very short draft last year, but but the previous year's draft guy, you know, they didn't get to go out last year. What, what's jumping out to you from some of your recent draft picks and how they're doing now that there uh, are minor league games again? Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I follow these guys a lot, and obviously, and then, you know, I'm constant conversation with Kyle Haynes talking with him about these guys and uh, kind of where they're at and what's going on with them. But, you know, listen, I, I think there's really the trend that's going on is, is no different than what maybe most people, you know, projected. You know, the pitchers were going to be a better ahead of the hitters. Hitters go a year without competitive bats outside of maybe an alternate site or a structural league. Um, the one thing I'm really, really proud of a lot of our guys um, – not just since I got here, but guys that were in the organization before I got here. I'm really proud of those guys, too. It's really amazing to see um, the strides these guys made, uh, you know, in the strength, the strength component. These guys, they really worked hard during the pandemic. They got stronger. They got bigger. They got faster. Um, I walked into an instructional league, and I saw a lot of guys that had made, made jumps physically. And uh, I think it's going to take some time, some at-bats under the belts for some of these hitters to really kind of find their groove. I do believe the pitchers are ahead, um, but it's been fun to see the, see where some of these guys are going. You know, um, we've had some guys uh, from two years ago already touched Double A. We, you know, we've had guys from last year, uh, you know, High A, Double A. So these guys are these guys are right on on course, and, and I'm proud of all of them for the for the work they put in. That's fantastic. Now I can't let you go before we talk about the fact that there is a local team in the College World Series, um, um, and as a Stanford grad, I definitely want to bring that up. But um, 
I'm sure you guys all, uh, you know, pay close attention to the College World Series, too. Um, what's the interest level, and, and how do you kind of see that College World Series, especially with Stanford in it? Yeah, the interest level is, like, super high, right? Because uh, the draft's after the World Series mm-hmm. this year. So in the past, it's kind of been just a monitor your guys you may have selected to make sure they walk out of there healthy. But uh, now, that, now that it's taking place prior to the draft, I think our interest level is at an all-time high, continuing to follow a lot of these guys. But listen, Coach Esker's done a great job there. They, uh, they're a team that's really kind of – Stanford's a team that's really peaked and, and really kind of – had a nice trajectory as the season's gone along. They've had some really uh, stellar pitching performances here down the stretch from their weekend guys and some really timely hitting. I think he's got a nice mix of some some veteran players with some uh, experience on their belt. And he's got a couple young guys out there on the field with some exciting tools that have performed really well as, uh, also. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. The number one seed, Arkansas, they lost to NC State. They were the heavy, heavy favorite going in, so it just goes to tell you, you know, you get in that three-game series and uh, you just never know what will happen. But uh, I think I think for the casual fan who turns on the TV and watches the World Series in Omaha, you're going to see a lot of competitive baseball. You're going to see really good arms. You're going to see a lot of velocity, no different than what they're seeing at the major league level. Um, and I think it's going to be really fun. It'll be really fun to watch because uh, – uh, the talent level in that World Series is, is definitely high. That's fantastic. Do you guys send somebody, or because you know it's so also televised, do you not need to? Uh, we do a little bit of both. So we have a little presence there, but we also obviously kind of monitor from afar. Oh, that's great. Well, Michael Holmes, thanks so much for joining us here on Giant Splash, uh, and very, very good luck to you on uh, July 11th when the draft starts. Uh, we were looking forward to talking to you shortly after that about uh, all the exciting picks that the Giants have made. Okay, great. Susan, thanks so much for having me. Our thanks again to Michael Holmes for joining us on the Giant Splash podcast. Our producers today were G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. And our music, Batter Up, was written and performed by Lauren Gold and Ray Eastless. We will be back again next week with more Giant Splash. Thanks so much for listening.